Technorama episode 693, the salmon must have really good bandwidth because they're streaming. Ah! Oh. Hey, welcome to Technorama, the show that takes a lighthearted look at tech, science, sci-fi, and all things geek. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And if you're returning, welcome back. We appreciate you giving us your time. My name is Chuck Tomasi from Arizona. And right there is Mr. Craig Stepp. How are you, Craig? I'm I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm all right. It's Sunday. We're ready to kick off another week. Uh, I've got a new hire starting at work this week. It's going to mm. be interesting. You got an intern? No, an FTE. <laughs> a full-time um, okay. equivalent. Equivalent yeah. to what? I'm not sure what, where that term is. Full-time <laughs> equivalent? <laughs> That's what FTE stands for. That's kind of weird. Or is it full time employee? I was that either are either are you're not. I, it's, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I always okay. heard it as full time equivalent, but I guess it could be a full time employee. Mm. Make a yeah, little bit that's more exactly sense. what it stands for. I don't know. It's not the way I learned it thirty years ago. Mm. Go look it up on your internet. See what it says. Let's FTE. See what it says. FTE fuel turbo me. engine. <laughs> yeah. Flying turtle. Full-time equivalent. What? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doubt the old-timer again. (laughs) It's a unit that indicates the workload of an employee person that in a way that makes workloads or class loads bearable, comparable. I'm sorry, cross. (laughs) That doesn't make it bearable. (laughs) It doesn't. This doesn't make any, still ain't making sense, but okay. All right. Well, hey, we got some feedback because November is, it's still November. We're halfway through as we record this. It's International Technorama Voicemail Month. So That's right. All month long. Let's play that feedback song because we got some feedback. Letters. Oh, we get letters. We get your letters every day. And voicemail. Oh, we got a fax coming in. <laughs> I know some of you are having flashbacks at that. It's like, ah, it's a 300 baud modem coming at you. 300 baud, yeah. All right, we got some voicemail. Let's start with this one from Crazy Joe. Good morning. It is Crazy Joe calling. I hope you guys are doing good. Uh, I was just listening to the last Technorama show. Yes. And uh, Craig inadvertently... I uh, hit upon one of my pet peeves, and I thought I would call you guys and tell you about this pet peeve. Uh, Craig mentioned that he was uh, looking at the Halloween section on HBO Max, and they had gremlins under there. Yes. Yeah. This drives me crazy. Yes. Uh, it's, not, it's not Craig's fault, obviously. It's, it's HBO Max. Uh, oh, uh, okay. And it's, um, every year this <laughs> seems to happen. Gremlins always pops up around Halloween in Halloween sections of like, oh, here's some movies to stream for Halloween, or movie theaters will be. Yeah, so does the Nightmare Before Christmas too. It's like it's got Christmas in the title. I know. Yeah, <laughs> let's keep going. Hey, we're re-releasing movies for Halloween this week. We got Halloween, and next week is uh, I don't know, 
Beetlejuice, and the week after that is Gremlins. And every time, they, they seem to want to stick Gremlins in there as a Halloween movie, and it drives me crazy because Gremlins is a Christmas movie. It is it is absolutely positive. <laughs> Christmas. Uh, the whole thing takes place at Christmas. Gizmo is a Christmas gift. Uh, there's Christmas presents everywhere. There's Santa Clauses. Her dad there's died Christmas in the chimney. Cows. They play, do you hear what I hear? They play, um, you know, Christmas, the snowballing day. The thing is filled with Christmas carols. It's going to go through Christmas the whole presents. soundtrack. And That's right. You can't actually get the movie falls apart if you take Christmas out of the movie. Christmas is integral to the plot of Gremlins. But yet every year they want to stick it out there as a Halloween movie. And it's not a Halloween movie. It's a Christmas movie. Um, I watch Gremlins every Christmas Eve. It's actually my favorite Christmas movie. I watch it every year on Christmas Eve. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I uh, love the movie. It's a phenomenal movie. Uh, and uh, one, of, one of the best movies ever made. Uh, but, but it's not a Halloween movie. All right. I just had to get that off my chest. Keep wearing those pajamas. Here, this one's for you. <laughs> yeah, that and Die Hard. And Nightmare Before yeah, Christmas. Yeah, see, Die Hard's a great Christmas movie. Most and by Joe Standard, it takes place during Christmas. There's Christmas songs. There's a Christmas party going on. Yeah, it's a Christmas party. Hans Gruber yeah. is a Christmas name. That's Wait. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got it's one not- from... Hey, it's not Christmas until you you uh, you kiss under the Hans Gruber. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I have another Schnitzengruben? No thanks, baby. Fourteen's my limit. All right, let's do another one. Hey guys, Mike Robinson here. Um, I had a, a pondering that um, kind of scares me. Okay, they keep wanting to clone mastodons and all these other creatures, mm-hmm. and then also scientists like to make recreate things from star trek is there some idiot out there planning on making a triple mm-hmm. and his who where are they doing it anyway i think you guys might know have a good one <laughs> he, he wants to know where hey. they're doing it. it makes it sound like i'm gonna go blow up the well, places hey <laughs> I, I can guarantee you there is some idiot out there i didn't find anything on the <laughs> internet i did some searching nothing came up yet Right, but it probably won't be the you know, the research won't be announced until they actually do it. But yeah, dumb. Watch the when a mastodon is actually born. It, it looks like uh, probably be like a little <laughs> a little fur ball that's already pregnant. It like a triple. More fur balls. All right, he's yeah. got another one here. Ponder. Hey guys, uh, two ponderous brain farts here. Number <laughs> that's one, us. Oh, <laughs> since everybody keeps bouncing lasers off the moon, why haven't they used it for advertising yet? Oh. Hmm. And oh, why can't I remember the second one? <laughs> have a good one. Why can't he what? Why can't I remember one. the second one? Oh yeah, right. <laughs> he said two things at the beginning. Two ponderous you know, brain imagine, farts here. That that could be our new tagline. <laughs> imagine having one of those powerful lasers. I mean, it would be had to be pretty powerful to get to the moon. But if it's powerful enough to draw, draw something, yeah, maybe All the, you could have the. You could have the Pink Floyd laser light show on the on the moon on the light side of the moon, of course. But <laughs> well, I, not if it's if you know if you go to the like a crescent moon, then you could be on that dark side. That's true. That's true. 
Hey, did you see the eclipse the other night? Um, I caught the tail morning. end of it. It was mm-hmm. like started at one thirty a.m. our time. Like, but by the time I got up for my morning walk, uh, no, we by the time I woke up, the bottom half was still chopped off for the bottom like quarter. And mm-hmm. then the pictures that I sent you of the sun rising and the moon yes. setting on the same day, that was yes. just like an hour later. Okay. So, oh, yeah. Well, then I, I got up that morning. Usually I'm up about, uh, by 530, I'm taking the dogs out. Um, but I knew that the cliff was going. So I, you know, I went straight out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with them as early as I could. So it's about five o'clock and it, it was changing, you know, part of it was like super white, yeah. you know, as it was changing, uh, got the dogs out. And then as soon as I got back into the driveway, I set up a chair and just sat out there in the dark watching the moon, you know, with my coffee, just sitting there watching it till it went past the trees and I couldn't really see it anymore. But it was, um, it was probably quite an event. I, I love it when I've seen those before. I mean, it's, it's, I know. I mean, it's fun to watch, but I like seeing it when, uh, when it's just lit enough, it really makes it look yeah, almost uh spherical, very spherical more than, you know, the next one is in 2025, so we've got a couple more years to wait. Okay. Maybe I'll still be getting up at five, probably. Maybe. I don't know. All right. A question of the week for you from last week was, what are the books every person should read at least once? And we had a number of comments on Facebook. There it is. I had to bring it back open. John Kreitzer says, George Orwell's 1984. Mm-hmm. And... Fritz from Germany replied back. He said, for younger folks, Animal Farm. I thought that yeah, was a game. That was a no, that's Animal Crossing. Sorry. <laughs> Animal Crossing. Uh, Fritz also commented and said, uh, almost every book of Terry Pratchett. And Robinson Crusoe, he threw in there. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Weshy says, well dated, I suggest the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. To all, Yeah, that's a good one. That is a I good don't think one. I've ever read that. Oh, you should read it. I, I didn't need a, it. Is that a Stephen Covey one? Hey, I didn't need it. Uh, yeah, you do. <laughs> what? Imagine Wait, what, what you could have accomplished if you did read it. <laughs> How's I that? Know. I'm okay. Oh, Fair man. Enough. Fritz went overboard on this one. He's got like most of our comments in here. Yeah. The trilogy, The Divine Cities by Robert Jackson Bennett. And he also said The 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and From Earth to the Moon. Ooh, good stuff by Jules Verne. Jules Verne there. Yep. Isn't that uh, Doc Brown's kids' names, Jules and Verne? It was. It is, yes. Jack Mangan says, podcasting for dummies. Right. He got three laughing faces on that. (laughs) I know. Wow. Yeah, well, uh, it was you and I and the Technorama podcast that laughed on that one. Uh, So Craig Glasner says... News from Nowhere by William Morris. It is considered an early work of science fiction fantasy with a definite uh, utopian socialist bent. Hmm. Hmm. Of course, I would say Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but what would you recommend? Um, Didn't we already cover some of these last week? Maybe, maybe not. The books? Um, The Cuckoo's Egg by Clifford Stoll. That's a good one for anybody who's... It, it's dated, but it still gives you some good ideas about internet security and uh, how hackers can go from one machine to another machine through 
you know, loopholes mm. in security and creating backdoor accounts, et cetera. Right. So, but it, uh, and, and then the whole dramatic story about how he tracked the guy down. The handover hacker. That's cool. I have a signed copy of that. You do? Yep. Yep. Pictures or it didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> whatever, dude. <laughs> There you go. So faithful. Cool. All right, we're going to ask another question at the end of the show for you. So that yeah. means it's time to march the band in here for history time. Oh boy, here we uh, go. On this day in history for November 16th, 2022, it's the 320th day of the year in the Gregorian calendar. There are 45 days remaining in 2022. It was on this date in 1855 that David Livingstone, I presume, became the first <laughs> European to see the Victoria Falls. Oh, I hope they didn't get hurt when they fell. Yeah. Or when she fell? Uh, when she it, fell. Yeah. He's the first person to see the Victoria Falls in what is now Zambia, Zimbabwe. And November 16th, 1904, English engineer John Ambrose Fleming uh, received a patent for the thermonic valve, which is a vacuum tube. The thermionic valve. Doesn't that sound straight out of science fiction? It does. Something Jankum Pog got all excited about. Ooh, look, they have thermionic valves. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The same date in 1914, the Federal Reserve Bank of the United States officially opened. And also on November 16th, 1920, Qantas, uh, the Australian uh, National Airline, was founded as Queenland and Northwest Territory Aerial Services Limited, which didn't quite... Have the same ring to it as Qantas. <laughs> November 16, 1938. LSD was first mm. synthesized by 1938. It didn't, not the 50s, not the 60s, 38. Yeah. First synthesized by a man named Albert Hoffman, made out of ergotamine at the Sandoz Laboratories in Basel. Basel. Yeah. Basel. <laughs> the Senate. And on, uh, also today, in 1965, the Soviet Union launched the Verena. Venera. Uh, Ver, Venera. Uh, Vernacular. Venera. Uh, three space probe towards Venus, which was the first spacecraft to reach the surface of another planet. That's pretty cool. They now outdid a, us again. Hey, now we got a ton of uh, used spacecrafts over Mars. It was also on the date in 1973 that the U.S. President Richard Nixon signed the Trans-Alaska Pipeline Authorization Act into law, authorizing the construction of the Alaska Pipeline. Okay. And also today in 1973, NASA launched Skylab 4 with a crew of three astronauts from Cape Canaveral, Florida, for an 84-negative-day mission. I remember that. <laughs> 84 minus day mission. Oh, I was just missing a space. There you go. Okay. No. Put it back. Why? <laughs> that same date in 1974, the Arecibo message was broadcast from Puerto Rico. Happy birthday goes out of this date to French mathematician, physicist, and philosopher Jean Laurent de Alembert, born on this date in 1717. And Alexander Kolchak was uh, the Russian admiral and explorer. was born on uh, was born 148 years ago today. That was the lady who lived like across the hall from Laverne and Shirley, Mrs. Kolchak. 
Not quite. Maybe maybe your ancestors. I'm, I'm, I know I'm I'm tapping Joe on the shoulder with things like that. Right. <laughs> American actor, singer, director, producer, and screenwriter Burgess Meredith. You're a bum. <laughs> he was born 115 years ago today. That means he was like in his 70s when he did Rocky. Yeah, I keep thinking of uh, um, the Twilight Zone. You know when he broke his glasses. Yep. Uh, Dawes Butler, American voice actor and singer, was born on that same date in 1916. Can you name the voice actor, the, the, the voice that Dawes did? I should know, but I... Woody Woodpecker. I, oh, that's right. Okay. Gene Amdahl, the American computer scientist, physicist, and engineer, was born 100 years ago today. I'm going to give you a little factoid about that man after we're done here. Okay. And Japanese video game designer, Shiguru... Uh, Miyamoto was born on this date in 1952. Also born on that date in 1977, Australian singer, songwriter, and actress from Farscape is where I know her from, Gigi Edgeley. And listener birthdays, we have one this week. We need more names on that birthday calendar, one. people. One. Only it one is... person had a birthday this week? From our point of view, yes. Tom Pose on November 22nd. Happy birthday to you, Tom. Actually, his daughter, Julia, just reached out to us. Hmm. And that's the way it was on this day in history for November 16th, 2022. Remember, if you want to be on our birthday calendar, oh, it's in here somewhere. There it is. Get that up there. You can go to chuckchat.com slash birthday, and we will give you a shout out at the appropriate time of year. If it's your birthday this week and you're not on the calendar, of course, we wish you all the best. Hope you have a wonderful birthday. And I think, well, there's still a Happy birthday to you too, Chuck. Wait. No, it's not my birthday this week. No, no, it's Bye. Yet. Band. Okay, now, Gene Amdahl, do you know that name? Yeah. From? Our, uh, From like two minutes ago. In history, two <laughs> seconds ago. Right. <laughs> least, least common denominator answer there, people. That's right. Yeah, we just talked about her. <laughs> it's a All hymn. Right, what about her? It's a hymn. G-E-N-E. I'm sorry, him. Yeah. What about him? He founded Amdahl Computers. And our company founder, Fred Luddy from ServiceNow, used to work Mm -hmm. for Gene back in the 70s. Remember the story about Phyllis and making the the record safe so she didn't have to enter every field every time and a lot of repeated data? That was in that era. A lot of our corporate culture comes from Amdahl Computers. And Gene Amdahl's company. So what we are today as ServiceNow has roots into that. And it's his 100th birthday. If you do the math, or maths, this was like 50 years ago that this was happening. So he was in his 50s. He was like our age when Fred Luddy came working for him. So next time you have somebody, some youngster come looking at you, remember, you're that old. And it's going to be 100 years pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, right? That, that was my wake up. Like, ah! Yeah. Actually, you should make a post to the, uh, about that at work. I am. I am. Okay. I'm going to. I've, I've got it on my calendar for Wednesday. Like, All right. Go post happy birthday to Gene Amdahl and a little blurb about that. So, yeah. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Gene. Thank you, everybody who, who helps us keep this going. All right. Let's get into the news with a random news and weather, everyone. All right. We have an article from NPR.org. 
mm-hmm. about mm, a rare earth element. But uh, it's not actually all that rare because now they can synthesize it. So what happened is scientists have found uh, a meteorite that hit the ground. They found the metal was this combination of nickel and iron, but it's in a certain ratio that makes it kind of rare. And it really made it wonderfully magnetic. I want to make sure that I don't get these two stories mixed up. Uh, but the, it can be used for making permanent magnets. Now, permanent magnets are very useful, of course. You know, a lot of the, mm-hmm. our listeners know permanent magnets are part of making electricity. If you want to make a generator, right. you know, you turn a turbine and the generator generates and it's got permanent magnets. A turbine? Like you turn the... No, turbine. Okay, there you go. A turbine. <laughs> turbine. Okay, so these two teams of scientists, one at Northeastern University in Boston and the other at University of Cambridge in the UK announced they managed to manufacture this in in the lab on Earth, mm-hmm. which up until now has only been found in meteorites. Uh, Laura Henderson-Lewis was one of the professors on the Northeast team, and she told them that they, this was a combination. She's the one who figured it out. It was nickel and the iron, which were cooled over millions of years as meteoroids and asteroids tumbled through space. The compound is called tetratinite spelled okay. crazy name uh and by using this it could make green energy technologies significantly cheaper like oh hey now we're now we're getting somewhere uh now this has to do with us because in order to make really good magnets right now you need these things called rare earth elements it's not that they're rare it's just that they're really hard to get at because you right. got to mine a whole bunch of stuff. And there's a wonderful story about you know, the, the Chinese had this iron mine and they were throwing away the tailings and the Japanese going, hey, can we uh, buy your waste? Because yeah. they found it was <coughs> high in rare earth elements. Yeah. Until the Chinese like, caught on. Oh, yeah, and sure. Wait. Yeah. Why, you, why, you want... you know, why do you want our garbage? Why do you want to buy yeah. our garbage? And then they figured it out. Uh, so it says permanent magnets are used in advanced machinery. On the other hand, they have to be able to resist tremendous pressures and temperatures for long periods of time. And uh, to acquire these properties, they need a special ingredient called rare earths. And of course they go into what I just said about China has a whole bunch of this stuff. The U S used to have, used to be like the lead producer in this, but then China went, "Uh we got more and we can get it at, get it to you cheaper so that now China controls more than 71% of the world's extraction and 87% of the world's processing capacity for rare earths. Two of these are neodymium, uh, neodymium, I always say that wrong, and praseodymium. Yeah, I hope I even got close on that one. Uh, right. And those Be are careful, the, we're going to blow the budget on these words. Tonight. You may have heard you know, of neodymium magnets, you know, the, like the really strong ones that you can barely pull apart. You kind of have to slide them yes. apart. Yeah, yeah. That's what many of these are for. Uh, However, they do say it'll be a long time before the tetratinate is in a position to disrupt any existing markets, uh, Laura Lewis says. She says there's still a lot of testing to be done to find out whether lab tetratinite is as hardy as, and useful as the outer space material. Well, hey, if you, you know, send up a rocket and go get it, you can get some. So 
neat that they can make this stuff rather than waiting for enough meteorites to fall to ground or yeah right yeah they're digging up the earth and causing all kinds of wonderful waste byproducts in doing so yeah i mean i think i'm i think i made our i made some little pips like for our star trek uniform mm-hmm. with those rare earth magnets and what's funny is they just get close together and they go sticky they snap together. Yeah. Like your, your mine, mine doubled up. I'm like, what kind of rank insignia is I'm get, pip, pip, I'm blank, demoted. pip? <laughs> yeah, you're getting demoted. Well, first, first one flipped onto the other one. I was like, pip, pip, blank, pip. They're supposed to be four in a row. What happened to number three? <laughs> three flipped onto four. And right. then, yeah, fix that. And then later, one of them fell off. And then a second one fell off. I got demoted at Dragon Con. So I have some right. kind that actually have the pin backing, like I already right. have. You got to get those for the crews. Need to restock them. And my white uniform that had the rust stain on it from the oh, yeah. magnet. Were you look, they you got that? that out. I picked it up Friday. Like, oh, you miracle worker lady, you. And then I'm, I've also got in my cart along with new pips that don't fall off from magnetic disruption and a new com badge that's not magnetic. So that's all fixed up. So we're going to get some new props this year. That'll probably be like a Christmas thing. Yeah. Okay, on with the next story. NASA has successfully launched uh, deployment and retrieval of LOFTED. This is another clever NASA acronym that stands for Low Earth Orbit Flight Test of an Inflatable Decelerator. <laughs> That's okay. right. Now, at first... It looks like... I mean, it looks like a big speaker. Uh, or a mushroom cap. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, they they put it out in space so they could rock out. Or the Sarlacc. Yeah, it kind of looks like a Sarlacc sucking on a soda can. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody dropped a can in there. So what the what they're doing is it's uh, the the rockets that they're sending up. They want to be able to bring them back. And the problem that they're describing here is that they want to go to other places, not just Earth. So one of the ways that you slow down a vehicle as it's entering the atmosphere is you use the atmosphere and it turns that energy into heat, the friction of the atmosphere going by. Well, if the surface of your spacecraft is only so big, you may not be able to slow down, especially in a thinner atmosphere like Mars. So they said, we need a bigger break. I mean, that's effectively what this is. It's breaking against the atmosphere uh, because the, the surface area of the vehicle itself that the rocket or the rocket body as it were mm-hmm. is not sufficient enough and right. you can't send up a parachute while you're still going at 15,000 kilometers a second it'll just rip right off you got to right. slow down to a place where you can get to the parachute so right. that's that's what they're looking at using this for is mars titan well venus has a plenty thick enough as- atmosphere you can cut it with a knife um, yeah yeah, and even Earth, when you have a smaller body rocket coming back. So they deployed this. They re-entered the atmosphere. There's a video that shows you the computer modeling, and then they have some pictures of the actual thing happening. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I was going to play it for everybody. No, don't. Sorry. We'll get copyrighted. <laughs> <laughs> and they, then they pick it up on a ship. So it's it's kind of cool that they're coming up with this. And it, the, the thing that made me wonder like it's inflatable wouldn't that sort of burn up as it's getting really hot like a pop like a balloon 
Yeah, but, I kind of thought the same thing when I first saw this. You no, know? it's not. That's what all those little um, like needle-like structures are for, is to hold it rigid. For, for structure, you know. Yep. It does mm. that look pretty cool. I like the um, the video. They've got various yeah, sizes it, to this, too. The They mm -hmm. tested it with a low-Earth or, low orbit return, which uh, they said three to six-meter scale. The International Space Station down mass greater than currently possible, 8 to 12 meters, and the lower cost access to space through launch vehicle asset recovery, 12-meter scale. So you can get the small, medium, or large model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in the video at the very end, it looks like a UFO is landing in the ocean mm -hmm. with a parachute, <laughs> the way it's shaped. Why would a UFO have a parachute? I don't know. It just said that's <laughs> what it looked like. Yeah. But it does make sense having a, a heat shield slash decelerator that's bigger than the vehicle. Yep. You know, you, know, you always see a rockets or uh, the capsules rather that have the heat shields and they're only as big as the vehicle itself. You're going to get this kind of flame on the side. Yeah. This would be awesome. Now, room. this next story I, I already heard about, but figured we'd cover it anyway. And I, whether it's news or hacks and strange stories is up to you. But from Ars Technica, the co-founder of the Oculus <laughs> has made yeah. a VR headset that can literally kill you. Okay. I'm swearing off VR at this point. If it has three little projections out from the forehead, that's the one you don't want to buy because those are little would, explosives. Why would you do this? As just a concept. There's only one and it's in their like art museum right now. I don't say, how do you test it? Watermelon. Oh, speaking of which Gallagher, hey, Gallagher passed Hey, Charles, away. come in here for a minute. <laughs> Who wants to be a game tester? Yeah. I this do. I do. Here, play this. I, I put this on and play this game. I, it'll only take a minute. <laughs> Imagine what happens when you play Frogger. Yeah. So what? they've got a camera that is sensitive to this little like red blip in the game over screen. They tested with um, what did they test? Sao Sword Sword Art Online. Mm -hmm. So the the co-founder is Palmer Lucky. He's the one who came out with the you know, Oculus at first. And they put right off the forehead area, three little explosives. And when the camera detects this red signal from the game over screen, boom. Yeah, that, that was my first reaction is, why would you do that? And who would wear it? This is starting to sound like something straight out of Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah. And it also sounds like, uh, was it No Country for Old Men? The guy was using the cow thing to kill people that's what it sounds like yeah that's you know, right that's that'll pretty much do it for you if it goes right yeah. i wouldn't want to get anywhere near this it would be just traumatic to put it on even if it was disarmed like you get that thing yeah. away from me no pass hard pass yeah he said um let's see do 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 where'd it go uh, Sword Art Online anime, da, 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 da. where is the, the one that they've got? Uh, well, let's they... see. To be clear, Lucky says his deadly headset, which looks in, in, imagine, looks in images like a modified MetaQuest Pro, is, quote, at this point, just a piece of office art. A thought-provoking reminder of unexplored avenues in game design. That's pretty dark, man. Pretty dark. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And they, they talk about in the article, they talk about consequences in video games and uh, that people have these people in, uh, in this image have electrodes on their arms. So I guess if something goes sideways, they, they, bzz, they get, yeah, they get that, a little pain. That image looks like it's from 1979 in the Atari yeah. days, but it's not that the caption says what? 2001. Oh, yeah. Those kids That's aren't right. dressed like, and why is it in black and white? <laughs> Yeah, why is it in black? I don't know. Uh, who knows? All right, let's, that's it for the news, but we do have a Hacks and Strange story story that came in from my daughter just like a half hour before we started broadcasting. It's a video on YouTube called The Commodordian. Yes, I said that right. Commodordian. Commodordian. <laughs> this guy took two C64s and... Uh, Made an accordion, basically. One yeah. one hand does the uh, finger music, like the piano side that you would see. I'm not a, an accordion player, and I don't claim to be one on TV. And the other side does the chords. And he used floppy disks to make the bellows. There is a complete build-out, a concert, a how-to. If you want to build your own, Craig, I want to see you build one and learn to play it. Shoot. <laughs> I don't know. I, I did think it was interesting how he used floppies yeah like the five and a quarter floppies to make the bellows in the middle but and when i was watching the video i was like oh my god he's cutting floppies thinking you can't really get them anymore it or, says it says no useful floppies were harmed in yeah. the making of this video yeah and as soon as i freaked out for a second then it said uh yeah it said that which was thought it was interesting this is yeah, pretty imaginative I, I just the skills required to do this are baffling so first of all he can play the piano he can play the accordion Okay, that's, you know, cool in itself. Then yeah. he had to manufacture all this stuff from scratch. Yeah. How yep. could I possibly make a bellows? Then there's electronics in it. He soldered things right to the motherboard so he didn't have to worry about the connectors coming out. He says, I need the sound, yeah. but I'm not going to put this big honking connector because it'll be inside the bellows. That's not going right. to work. Then he's got you know, all the circuitry. He's got a, uh, like a fake tape deck in there. One circuit board emulates the tape deck and it's shared between the two C64s. So he goes through the boot process and he says, you know, if you hit shift F1, it starts loading the program. You hit tape like a second later to make sure that the tape is ready and it loads it up. And then you do the thing, same thing for the other one. And it creates this wonderful 8-bit music. You have to watch like the the, the second segment in there. Where he's playing yeah. Maple Leaf Rag by Scott Joplin. It's right. It's amazing. Well, at first, I, th I also um, I saw the the one Commodore sixty four has a white keyboard. Yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that. They've always had dark brown, but I, I did a little looking online, and it looks like you can just buy another keycap set to swap them out. Or that's the one they got in Europe. You know, he's he's obviously uh, he's in European. No, I mean, I'm, but I, I found online the minimalist uh, keycap sets, you know, you can swap out. That's so you uh, can tell the, ra the, the <laughs> so that you can tell the two different ones apart, <laughs> the two sides. Yeah. You don't put That's it right. on upside down. <laughs> oh, wait. Um, oh, I'm seeing, uh, it looks like, oh, somebody said they had one in Germany. Maybe they did have a different color some in some places. Hmm. I've just never seen one. I always seen one with the brown, the dark brown keys. Cool. Thank uh, you, Julie, anyway, for sharing that. Cool. It was it was very interesting. This is... Oh, and by the way, he had sensors on the 
the bellows. Oh, um, right. So, so it would blow air out like normal, but the sensor would know if it was, uh, had a, what do you call that? Um, the type of sensor it would. Well, it's a microphone. It was just a microphone. Because when you blow on a microphone, it made noise. Yeah. So what he wanted was the more the more you squeeze the bellows, the louder the music would get. Yeah. So he put a microphone right outside the hole because the bellows is, is, when you squeeze the bellows, it's going to expel air out this little hole. The more you squeeze, the more air, the louder that noise on the microphone. And then that was translated back to the computer for how loud should this be? So I, again, lots of, lots of software, oh, env- lots yeah, of hardware. Envelope follower. That's what he called it. Yeah. The microphone was, uh, goes to an envelope follower and it would see the intensity like you just talked about. That's me at tax return time. I've, I'm an envelope follower. <laughs> Do you get my money yet? Do you get my money yet? Yeah, I know. Right. Okay. Quick shout out to the chat room. Number of people that are with us, but nobody is chatting tonight. It's a very quiet crowd. Are we, are we like competing with Grammys or something tonight? Did we say check. something? Sunday night Did we football? Say wrong? Well, you can join us live on Sunday nights if you wish. 9.30 Eastern time, even though everybody changed their clocks last week. It's still the same time, unless you're in Arizona and Hawaii. So hope to see you there. It's going to get really confusing when some states have changed and others haven't. But I'm just going to use 9.30 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday nights as our baseline reference yeah. for now. What happens in the future is anybody's guess. So look forward to seeing you there. Well, you can say that about anything. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) hang on. We're going to get to, we're going to get to uh, our wonderful um, prognostication in a bit. Let's do the remember when first though. All right. All right. So you found a story, another one from Ars Technica. About a Redditor, I believe this guy was in Germany. Yeah, German Redditor named Mm -hmm. Seawiz. Hey, by the way, I love it when when they throw the usernames in there. Why not? Well, he found a very rare 66-year-old computer. The Librascope LGP30 computer and... Several 1970 DEC PDP 8E computers in wow. his grandparents' basement. Now, the LGP 30 was first released in 1956 and is one of only 45 ever manufactured in Europe and may be best known for uh, as the computer used by Mel in the famous piece of hacker lore. Now, where was that? Uh, in the epic, The Story of Mel. First posted to a Usenet news group in 1983, the Libriscope programmer named Melvin K has been tasked with porting a blackjack program from the LGP-30 to another computer. The story author, Ed Nather, is later tasked with finding a bug in the software. And along the way, he discovers K's ingenious and unconventional programming tricks. Also... Edward Lorenz reported developing chaos theory and the butterfly effect as a result of weather experiments conducted on the LGP-30. Now, wow. get this. How much storage do you think this thing had? Uh, probably like 5K. I don't know. What was it? The storage on this thing, it says, originally this thing retailed for $47,000, which is about Jeez. a half a million today. Okay. Yeah, right. It weighed 800 pounds, and even so, people considered it a small computer. 
at the time because of well, its desk-like size. Everything else took up a whole basement anyway. Well, and, and yeah, look, uh, taking consideration other computers, it does look like kind of small. It's like, like a almost like a a, a large cooler. Yeah, you know, like, like a, a kind of like a mini fr- a mini freezer, whatever. Yeah. So the LGP included 113 vacuum tubes, or what did we call them a little while ago? <laughs> the, the duotronic <laughs> valves. Yeah. Uh, 113 of those, 1,450 solid state diodes, and a rotating magnetic drum memory, which is a six and a five, six and a half inch diameter and seven inch long tube rotating at 3,700 RPM. Okay. That's a lot of storage moving fast. This could store 4,069 31 bit words. Now, none of these numbers line up with any base two thing that you've seen today, right? Right. It would have been 4096 and 32 bit words, but Hey, it was the early days. You did what you could when, uh, all of that amounts to about 15.8 kilobytes. 15K, people. Not meg. Definitely not gigabytes. K. And he wrote a blackjack program in 15K. (laughs) Wow. Now, I remember when I first started doing some embedded systems programming, Mm -hmm. using a 2K or a 4K EEPROM. So this was luxury, man. This this was good stuff. That had enough room for you to stretch your legs a little bit. He said, the only thing I know is that my grandfather used it for some civil engineering calculations in the 60s and that he was one of only a handful of people in the country that privately owned such a computer. Ooh. Well, he laid out seven or $47,000 to... Here, I'm going to do a quick screen share for the people at home. This is just... I was trying to do that, but I couldn't. I got to do something in the system settings. Oh, you got the permission thing? Stream your yeah. does it every once in a while. See, it looks kind of like a refrigerator. Or a cooler, a nice, uh, like a, a nice freezer. chest. Like yeah. Yeah. Here's the front view. Imagine I, it, it did have like a typewriter teletype mechanism for the input <laughs> and know, output. It had what? I'm sorry. A oh, t- typewriter. Type. Uh, yeah. Teletype. Hey, by the way, that, pic- that front that. picture, it looks like if that was in the background of some Star Wars show or something, it, it would look normal. They put feet on it and starts waddling <laughs> yeah. around. Bop, bop, bop. <laughs> 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 yeah fun stuff yeah and it's cool let's see uh okay for some reason i have two tabs on that one it was so good i had to see it twice that brings us up with our patrons so thank you very much to our patrons who support this show you are responsible for a lot of stuff and and a couple of you even got because you're paying at that higher level you got our, I invested in Technorama t-shirts. And That's on the right. bottom it says, better than Bitcoin, which is really true now. It, it's becoming <laughs> more relevant every I day. Know. I, like, I know, watching the news this last week, I was like, wow, it is. See what you caused? We put out a t-shirt and Bitcoin <laughs> tanks. All the, yeah, you know. We systematically broke the Bitcoin industry. <laughs> with a t-shirt. We're taking yeah, credit for that. We are totally taking credit for that. Yeah. It's all our fault. You put it on a t-shirt that Technorama is better investment than Bitcoin. Hey, five bucks. Can it? <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you, everybody who supports us. Uh, 
level, really, really appreciate it. It goes directly to funding this show. We've got uh, StreamYard to pay off at the end of this month. So pay off. Another, another annual fund they for that. They know where the bodies are located, so we got to pay them off. We're, we're making a donation to Wikipedia, their support of the show, because we get a lot of our history stuff from We get all of our history stuff from them. That's the same. A lot of it. Except yeah. the birthday calendar. That's ours. So let's give out some names of these special people. Alexis Duran, Amber Elstad, Amy Bowen, Abner Braverman, Ben Vaughn, Brian Brown, Chris Martinez, Chris MC, Dandy Man Coyer. Thank you, Dean Jensen and Denise Inglis. Thank you, Gary Lindros, John Clifford, John Noble, Yorga Shrawin. Thank you, Crazy Joe Adventures, Kyle Nishioka, Leon, Mark Kilfoyle. Thank you, Mike Wills, Paul Mackey, Saturday Morning Media, Stephen Weshy, Steve Therian. Steve Therian, I can I can speak today. It's a new thing. Yeah. Steve right. Cody, Steve London, and Tim Cook. All of you are greatly appreciated for your contributions to this show. And if you want to be part of this family, maybe even score yourself a 2023 t-shirt, well, go over to patreon.com slash Technorama Podcast. You know, I don't know too many uh, too many podcasts that are sending out postcards to their patrons. Either. So, you know, you get that too. And a special episode of Technorama where Craig and I kind of do the green room thing and we're talking mm-hmm. backstage just for our patrons. Whether or not you listen to it is up to you. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's worth listening to. All right. That's, uh, let's tell the band to go away on that one. Thank you, band, for that. Yeah. Right. Now, uh, how are we doing on time? We are... Yeah, we're, we're good. Doing all right. We're doing all right. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, I wasn't on the uh, the topic as Trek this last week, and you weren't on the last one, the one before that. Right. And you were, give, you were giving us a hard time for having an hour and a half show. Well, when I looked at the time this time, I was like... Oh, it's almost an hour and a half. I think it went that long. It did. It was an hour twenty one minutes. Oh man, we got to shorten that thing up. <laughs> I was like, uh huh. All right. So That's because we talk about the episodes a lot. There's, and there's my plum, speaking, my, pro, my public uh, uh, shaming. <laughs> the uh, oh, pass the remote section. You threw yes. me off with that one. We promise we'll keep this short. Yeah. What have you got, sir? Um, this is not really a show so much as this showed up on Netflix. It's called Triviaverse, and it's interactive. So you actually play a trivia game. Oh. So the trivia. So it comes up with a couple of rounds. You can I play single player. This or was around before they had something like this. I know they 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 had the They've Black done- Mirror Adventure game. Yeah, they've done they've done a couple of things that were interactive like that. <clears throat> but then this is interesting because I I was at my computer and I went, okay, I'm gonna try it. And I was able, you're able to click and uh you know hit the buttons. Well, I told Kim about it and while we we're watching TV, and I said, she's let's try it. So we played a couple of games. I won around, she won around. It was like, oh, well, you need a tiebreaker. So we go to play a tiebreaker. Yeah. We both uh scored a uh, tie <laughs> on that leave it but there we'll just... leave it alone you keep the happy marriage leave it there uh we ended up playing one more round she won so that's okay but what was cool was when i did the two player yeah and it was on the tv i totally thought we were going to be using the roku remote 
but that's not the case. It came up on uh, with a QR code on the on the TV. I scanned it, and then with my phone, and you you pass the phone back and forth. Oh. So you use it to, as a remote to play the game. So and it worked pretty well. So uh, player one does his round, then they do player two. So it was easy to pass it, you know, back and forth. That's pretty. Some innovative. of the questions were hard. Some of the questions were hard. Well, you want them Especially to be on hard. The second round. Yeah, I mean, like, no, no, I mean, like, the first round, you get medium, type, medium type questions. The second round, it was like, huh? How do I even supposed to know that? You know, there's some. I'm mean, just saying, there's some really tough questions in there. So, yeah, give it a try. You want them to be challenging. Yeah. All right, uh, Donna and I started a new show before she went on vacation again called In the Dark. This is uh, three, four seasons. I got to check. We just got started. Very interesting show about a woman who's, uh, she's visually impaired. She's blind. And uh, she's, her, her life is a train wreck. It's just, it's terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. Her parents, <laughs> particularly her mom, really don't <laughs> coach her too much. And she works okay. for them at an animal shelter. Uh, but the, the story gets started when her friend that actually you find out he saved her life from a mugging gun horribly wrong. And he saved her life. Well, now he turns up dead and or missing. Uh, but nobody really seems to be moving along. Police say, hey, there's no body. So we can't really do anything. And she goes to his cousin and says, hey, yep. He's missing. Mm-hmm. And he says, I don't want the police involved because he's a drug dealer. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So, so I, but she's really stressed out about this. And uh, meanwhile, her roommate is having a romantic relationship. And that, that, you know, it's fun kind of getting into these characters. So it's not a comedy. It's more of a drama. Yeah. And we're just getting started on it. So uh, season okay. five of The Crown is out. We started in on that. And then Donna left. We're almost yeah. done with Great British Baking Show Collection Ten. Then she collection left. Collection Ten. It's like, man, yeah, they don't call. I watch some of those. Some of those are fun. Oh, they are fun. It's it's fun to yeah. see what they make and you know the disasters that happen and the victories <laughs> that are won. And, uh, I've seen uh, a few people trying to prop up their disaster. Yep. <laughs> Terrible. Yep. They. Uh, it's so everyone, it, and then it's kind of fun taking that home. It's like we'll make pizza and go. All right, Paul, judge the pizza. Oh, it's got a good crust. And, uh, yeah, right. Uh, but the there's there's not enough toppings on it. <laughs> so in the dark on Netflix, started watching that. So if you want to watch, that's a good couple show in my opinion. Yeah. All right. See, I told you that wouldn't take long. That brings us to the end already. Our question what? of the week for you this time around is: What is your favorite desktop or mobile app? Or if it's an app that's available on both, you can use the same app twice. <laughs> I would almost have to say a browser. I, I can almost do everything with a browser nowadays. Not everything. <laughs> almost everything. Almost everything. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Don't say a browser. That's low hanging fruit. Okay. Notepad. Hmm. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you one. I'll tell you a good one as a Visual Studio Code. That's a good it's one. The, it's from Microsoft. Yeah. It's a free. It's free. Uh, and. I believe it is, and I think it is open source, but they got a lot of plugins for it too. I don't use a lot of plugins, but I have several. Um, it's available on Windows and Mac. I thought Linux too, but I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's on everything really. So, yep, it's, it's not great. available on OS too. 
I'm sure it's, it's coming. You said everything. Well, let's see. Uh, OS2 Visual. <laughs> He's got to go look. Studio code. <laughs> see what I have to work I'm, with. Uh, I don't see it. Uh, see, run it on Mac OS. Uh, uh, I don't see it on here. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, OS2 people. Oh, I upgraded my two work machines to uh, Mac OS Monterey on our, our day off. <laughs> yeah, because they were pushing us to do it. Yeah. It's like, well, you, you got it. And now I've got things like, hey, this extension is uh, doesn't work on this. It's like, oh, now you got to deal with all that fun stuff. An extension? Yeah, something on, on my uh, desktop machine from work. It came up with like the Google Finder extension is not working hmm. but yet google think, or google uh, drive is syncing so i don't I know what has, that's about i think it has to do with um 32-bit applications nope. they were trying to the, that that, that that hasn't been an issue i mean because everything's been 64 for like what three four releases now you you can't yeah, run 32-bit apps on there anymore i did have one app come up and complain or oh the mac os was complaining about yeah which wasn't a big deal i was just like Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize I had the 32-bit version of it on there. So I know I know that, you know, with the last last two, three releases, everything's been a little more secure. And you gotta answer that stupid permission question for every app. Like mm -hmm. Google Drive wants to access your you're like, yes, go ahead. And that, but it's like that on your phone too. I know. Phone. It's like I, I just <laughs> I know I know why you want to do it, but it's it's getting to be like the you know, the end user license agreements like, yes, go ahead. I'm not reading this anymore. Actually, frankly, I don't care. Yeah. Well, I, I do. I think there's probably a better way to do that. Like when you install the app, just say, these are the permissions we need. Just go ahead and get it out of the way. I don't know something like that, but yeah, I kind of appreciate it. But at the same time, it does get old. I know. Yeah. I mean, somebody could sneak something in there and you wouldn't give a second thought. It's like, so-and-so wants access to your account. Contacts is usually where I draw the line because I just install like WhatsApp on my phone to be part of something mm -hmm. that's running out of India. I know the people. It's a good group. I don't know much about WhatsApp at this point, but it said, would you like to access your contacts? And I go, no. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't. Oh, yeah. yeah, So yeah. I can match up the phone numbers with anybody that recognizes yeah. it. Well, I yeah. don't have a lot of phone numbers for people in India. And out of the 800 people participating in this group, it's, it's kind of a challenge. So this one guy is broadcasting. No. He says, here's what you're going to do today. Here's what you're going to do yeah. today. It's a daily challenge to learn something. And, right. you know, I, I, multiple apps have done that. And usually contacts is where I'll draw the line because I got well, sucked into it one time yeah. with LinkedIn. And they said, mm -hmm. would you like, uh, LinkedIn would like to access your contacts. And I said, yes, not knowing that it was going to spray all my contacts with invites. Now, I know oh, the policy yeah, that's, has that's changed. Yeah, that and early days of Android, you know, before they really prompted you for permissions, there were apps that would just, uh, we need phone permission. We need camera permissions. Like, yep. But this is a chess game. <laughs> you know, why? Uh, I don't get it. So I, that's why um, I'm willing to put up with the prompts uh, uh, to some degree. Yep. Just read them closer than I do. <laughs> All right. Yeah, be careful. We're going to go. Maybe that should be our Patreon topic. Oh, we just yeah. talked about it. All right. Thank you very much, Craig. Let's get on out of here. There's the music. Right. If you want to get in touch with us, don't forget November is International Call Technorama Voicemail Month. 
Or you can text us. Or you can text us. 707, put that information on the screen for our viewers as well. 707-530-2428. That last part spells chat, by the way. 707-530-CHAT. You can call us, text us, or email us at technorama at chuckchat.com. We do get those as well. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you, Joe and Mike, for sending your comments in via voicemail. And thanks to everybody else who participated in that as well. Look forward to hearing the rest of you. You may, we have, we have to say it like Grammar Girl does, you may get on the show if you leave us a voicemail. Yes, yeah, you might. No promises, because, you know, some of them, if you leave a dirty joke, that doesn't guarantee anything. Till next time, give me a binary high five, Craig. All right, 101. Thank you. Thanks for listening. See you next time.